0: So I've prepared to teach on the book of Mark today, um, and I'll see if I can do it with my glasses. But um, I want to teach one of Jesus' parables, and it's such a, it's such a rich parable. Last week, uh, Joe was teaching about foundations, and I was thinking about foundations, and this is a parable that is, it just lays a great foundation in our hearts. Um, thank you, Tony, giving me space to wander around. So in in 2020, um, Tracy and I lived uh, at Big Bay, a place called Eden-on-the-Bay. And um, lo and behold, it was lockdown. Certainly wasn't what we were expecting in Cape Town. But um, every day we would go walk to the Checkers grocery store. And um, it didn't matter if we needed anything. We would just buy a banana. We were looking for an excuse to get out of the house. Anybody... Relate to that? Did anybody go for for walks just to get out? And um, every day we would run into two homeless guys that lived there. Um, Just, they lived in the sand dunes behind the checkers. And we got to know them and talked to them and and became friends with them, prayed for them, uh, fed them a lot. Uh, (laughs) We would lower down food from our balcony to them down below. And... um, uh, it, it was just interesting getting to know him, but we've been gone a year and nine months. We certainly didn't expect it would be that long, but because of COVID, we had trouble getting back here. But one of the things I was thinking when we went back to uh, Eden on the Bay was, I wonder if we're gonna run into those guys because I didn't want to, Not, nothing against them, but I was really hoping for them that they would have gotten back on their feet, so to speak. That they would have their lives together, that they would have found work and um, you know health, a place to live, all that stuff that it was in my heart so a um, couple of weeks ago when we got here, we just visited actually we went to pick and pay and right outside pick and pay, there was one of those guys the other the other I learned was over at Bayside Mall, but um, I was really disappointed, not not. In him, but disappointed that he was in the same place, more sores on his face, not as many teeth, um, but his life was really just the same. Um, but I, I wanted so much more for him, and I think God, as our Father, is kind of like that with us. He he wants us to keep growing keep learning keep changing right i think it's i think it's his heart that we especially when we're talking about spiritual things that that we would grow in our ability to hear his voice that we would grow in our love for god that our, our love for people grow in our joy grow in our knowledge of who he is grow in our knowledge of scripture and and grow in in our spiritual gifts grow in power and ministry and bearing fruit for the kingdom and I personally think God puts that in our hearts. So let me, let me start with a question. Is that in your heart? Is that same perspective in your heart when it comes to spiritual things? I want to grow. I want to learn. Because I think if you pause and listen to the Holy Spirit, He's going to put that in there, and there's that whisper. Keep growing, my son. Keep growing, my daughter. Well, there's a, a parable that Jesus told. It's called the, the parable of the sower. There, you know, there's other names for it. Um, it's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not found in John. In fact, John has no parables. Interesting. But um, I'm going to be reading today from the gospel of Mark, the, the middle one. I'll, I'll pull in some things from Matthew, but not Luke. Um, there's some really wonderful things that God has for us in that parable, For I believe for all of us today. And by the way, the the context of that parable is Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's trying to explain to people what the kingdom of God is like. So keep that in mind as we read it. But I want to start first in prayer, okay? So let's bow our heads. Father, this is is nothing without you except a story. But we come to you and we say, God, we want to grow and learn, and we want to change, and so... (laughs) Master, teach us. And Holy Spirit, come change us today as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, if you have a Bible, you can open it to Mark chapter 4. But otherwise, I believe you're going to get it right behind me. There it is. Okay, here's what Jesus said. Listen. Hey, heads up. Pay attention. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Still another seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even 100 100 times. That's huge. Verse 9, then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, it's like, pay attention. This is good. Okay, so... In just a minute, Jesus is going to give the interpretation of that parable, but I want to keep going, and there's a little tangent here where the disciples ask Jesus about parables, so I'm going to talk about parables just for a sec. Verse 10, when he was alone, so Jesus not alone, but apart from the crowd, so he's with his disciples, the 12. And the others around him asked him about parables. Now, if we go and grab from Matthew, it it says the disciples asked him, why do you teach in parables? Okay? And then he told them the secret of the kingdom of God. I'm going to pause there. He's not talking about, shh, this is a secret. Don't tell anybody. The word is mysterion. And what it means is something that's been hidden In the past, but it's now being revealed. It's a mystery, but it's now being revealed to you. So he says, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, sitting with me here, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they they might turn and be forgiven. Okay, so Jesus taught about 30 parables. That's a lot, and so it's, it's important to understand what a parable is. A parable is a simple story from everyday life, and farming may not be your everyday life, but it was for them, the people listening, and it's a story that has a deeper meaning. It's got a parallel meaning. It, sure, it's a great story, but there's a meaning behind it, so um, then we've got to ask the question, why teach in parables? And it's very simply so that Jesus could give this new information about the kingdom of God to his disciples. But to the critics, those people on the outside, it was just a story. And here's why, because a a parable requires extra thinking. It requires an extra step. You've got to think about it. You've got to study it. You've got to ponder, well, what does Jesus really mean by that? But if you're not interested, if you're not interested in Jesus or growing spiritually, then it's just a story and you can move on. You get it? So it requires that, that desire, that, that extra step. Okay, so think of a parable as an opportunity to discover more about the kingdom of God. And then in verse 13, Jesus says something that's really interesting. you got to catch this. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Okay, what Jesus is not saying is, you fools. If you can't understand this simple, easy parable, wait until we get to future classes that are way more difficult. He's not, it's not that at all. What he's basically saying is, in this parable... There's a key to understanding all parables. This, is, this one you have to understand if you're going to unlock the, the meaning of future parables. Okay, so we're going to learn what that is as we dive into it in a minute. But it's important to understand that. Okay, and then starting in verse 14, Jesus explains the meaning of the parable. And let's read it together. The farmer sows the word. Some people, we're going to talk about that, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Verse 20: Others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop, 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. Okay, we're going to look at the four different types of soil in a minute. But before we get there, I want to talk about the seed. The farmer reaches into the bag and he sows his seed. That's how they farmed in the first century. Just grabbing seed and, and throwing it uh, generously. Okay, and Jesus here in, in, this, in Mark describes the seed as the word. In Matthew, it's called the message of the kingdom. Over in Luke, he calls it the word of God. But I want to call it the message of the kingdom. Okay, I'm going to jump over to Matthew and I'm going to grab that because I I love that. Now, the short version of the message of the kingdom is very simply John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that that's good news that's awesome if that was all the gospel was woohoo but there's way more to it it's a bigger the the message of the kingdom is bigger and and the message of the kingdom is is that Jesus is bringing God's kingdom to this earth Jesus is coming in the power of God's kingdom and bringing his rule his authority his right to rule And what happens when Jesus' kingdom breaks into life, it brings transformation, it brings healing to every part of society, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, racially, um, politically. I mean, it it just invades and transforms. That's Jesus' kingdom. But we need to know that it's, it's here in this part of world history, only in part. It's not here in its fullness yet. Its fullness will come, but the kingdom is now only in part. Okay, now Jesus says that the message of the kingdom comes like a seed, a little, humble, quiet seed. That's how his kingdom is coming. Now, contrast that with how the kingdoms of the world come. Think of Putin invading Ukraine. Bombs and and guns and destruction and death and suffering and violence. That's how the kings of the world build their kingdoms. But Jesus' kingdom, he said, comes like a seed. It's very quiet. It's very small. But it has incredible potential. Let me ask you a question. Think about this. Which has more potential to transform a garden? A bomb or a seed? Given good soil over a number of years, the seed's going to win. There's going to be a big hole in the middle of the garden, but all around it's going to be beautiful plants or a harvest, right? Because that little seed, though it starts small, it can bring incredible transformation. Jesus says some profound stuff, doesn't he, right? Okay, so... Let's look at the four different types of soil now. We're going to start in verse 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So some people hear the word of God, but their hearts are hard. The message doesn't stick, and then Satan comes and snatches it away. Satan, not a metaphor, but a very real spiritual being, comes in and takes that message of the gospel, message of the kingdom away. And their heart is hard toward God. Why? Well, it may be unbelief. It may be a calloused heart from sin. But there's a lack of awareness in that person of a need for God. There's this independence, this self-reliance, self-righteousness, whatever it is that says, I am okay. I'm all right without God. I don't need God. And so the seed bounces off that person and is snatched away. Now, we could be done with the first soil right now and move on. We could say, don't be that first soil with a hard heart. But I want to go deeper because remember, this parable is revealing a truth that unlocks the other parables. So we're going to go deeper. Here's why Jesus is teaching the secret of the kingdom to these disciples. Because... They recognize their need, and they want to grow, and they want to learn, and their posture before Jesus is, Master, teach us. Teach us what this parable means. We want to know. They're they're wanting to know. So, here's the lesson. Hunger for more of God attracts more of God. When, when you want Jesus to teach you, what's he going to do? He's going to teach you. When they say, Master, teach us, what does he do? He reveals the secret of the kingdom to them. So if you're not interested in Jesus, that seed's going to get snatched up by Satan, and you can go on with your self-satisfied life. It's just fine. Jesus says, whoever has, more will be given. And you scratch your head and you think, what does that mean? Well, this is exactly what it, it means. And More will be given and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. So the first key to a more fruitful life in God to that abundant life that he's talking about is very simply hunger. It's hunger for more of God, hunger to grow, hunger to learn and change, hunger for more of Jesus in your life. And that, by the way, is the key to the parables. You've got to want to learn. You've got to want to grow. And if you understand that, the parables will be unlocked to you. And by the way, I think that hunger for Jesus is probably the most distinctive characteristic of Josh Jen. Looking, you know, coming from America here, the Josh Jen churches share a love for Jesus. It's like, yeah, bring it on. We want more. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's look at the second soil. Verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and once and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I want to say trouble from anything or persecution because of the word. Okay, this is a person who's, whose heart is like shallow soil. There's a little dirt on top of of rock, and they quickly receive the word of God. They receive it with joy. They're happy. woohoo! But it's shallow soil. When trouble comes, they bail. Now, the trouble or persecution reveals something inside of the heart of that person. It reveals a misunderstanding of, of who God is. It's basically revealing bad thinking, bad theology. It shows they, they put their faith Not in the God who is, but the God of their imagination. Not how God really is, but how they want Him to be. That person wants a God who will serve their best interest and cause them to have a comfortable life without suffering. It's uh, I I can describe it because I've heard this so many times in my life. It's the person who, who says, I... Believe in God. I go to church every Sunday. I give. I try to be generous. And now this has happened to my life. Now I'm suffering. My mom died. I've got cancer. I lost my job. I'm going bankrupt. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is. And so I'm bailing. I don't want to believe in a God like that. And it's like saying, Because I believe in God and I'm trying hard to be a good person, God is obligated to serve me. God is obligated to build my kingdom, to make my life comfortable so that I don't suffer. And that's not how God works. That's a God of our imagination. Right? That's not how God God works. Okay, think of John the Baptist. Remember when he was in prison, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus to say, uh, basically, um, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was promised? Are you the one that that we've all been waiting for? Now, keep in mind, this is John the Baptist. He's, He's been teaching Jesus for a long time, but now he's in prison. He's basically saying, if you're the king of kings and I'm your main man, why am I still in prison? This doesn't make sense. I want to bust me out. And Jesus' response to to the disciples, go back and tell John what you see. The lame walk, the blind see, the gospel is preached to the poor, right? But don't stumble over the fact that you're still in prison. Because that's not how my kingdom works. I don't drop bombs. I'm not going to come bust you out of prison. And... I use suffering for my glory. He does. And John was beheaded. And that was, that was the end of his story, but God used him in a powerful way. Here's the second key to a fruitful life with God. So you got to get to know him. Really press in to know God in a deeper way and put your roots down in who he is. Not the God of your imagination. Study God's word. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Worship him. Pray and learn and grow in who he is. And, and what happens is when the sun comes up, how often does the sun come up? Very regularly, doesn't it? And that scorching heat comes, and your roots are down deep in God, you'll get through. You won't wither and shrivel up. You won't bail on God because you know Him. You know Him deeply. And you know that you can trust Him and that He loves you. And He's going to use all things for good. Some of you are in that scorching place right now, right? You need to know your God, the real God, not the fake God who serves your kingdom. Okay, let's go on. Verse 18, third soil. Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word that, that word choke means to crowd, it literally means drown, to choke or crowd out the word, making it unfruitful. So this seed lands in soil that takes root and it grows, and so we're talking about Christians, right? We're talking about, look around, this is, um, you believe in Jesus, but there are distractions in the garden, and they crowd out the word so there's no fruit for, for God. And And you can say, well, it's these things, it's the... It's the worries of this life, just worrying about all sorts of stuff, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for a thousand other things. You can't preach about just one thing. You're just talking about all sorts of things that can crowd out the word from your life, things other than Jesus and his kingdom. So I want to introduce you to a man named Augustine or Augustine, St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo. He goes by a bunch of different names. Long time ago, 1,600 years ago, this guy, um, he was a great philosopher and theologian, one of the greatest in church history, especially for the Catholic church, man, they think, whew, he's the man. But um, he was a deep thinker, and starting at the age of 19, he made it his life's work to figure out one paradox. Um, he, well, he read a, it in a, in a book by a man named Cicero, but... The idea is this. Most people in life want to be happy. They strive to be happy. It's their goal. Most people in life are miserable. His word, wretched, unhappy. Why the paradox? What's gone wrong? That was his life's work, studying that. Wrote a bunch of books about it. And so he proposed that the cause of human unhappiness is what he called disordered loves disordered loves, that we as humans have this natural tendency to love some things more than we should and love the more important things less than we should. Are you following me? And so the the loves, the things that we desire are out of order, and that's the ultimate cause of unhappiness, disordered love, okay? Okay. So, for example, there's nothing wrong with loving your work. If you love your work, that's a good thing. However, if you love your work more than you love your family, there's a disorder there. And that disorder eventually will lead to unhappiness. Some of you may be experiencing that unhappiness now because there's a disorder in the love. And the... the, um, the ultimate satisfaction in life, the ultimate happiness, comes by loving what is ultimate, and that is God, God first, putting God in that place above all other things. And when you need something in your life to be happy or satisfied or secure that is other than God, well, that's the definition of an idol. An idol has taken the place of God in your life, and your loves are disordered. So you get the picture. Okay, it might be a love for your job. It might be a love for your children, a love for money, a love for your car, your house, or things, or security, or a husband, or wife, or boyfriend, or girlfriend, or you can fill in the blank for yourself. But whenever something is loved out of a proper order, that thing becomes a source of unhappiness and it becomes an idol in your life. And what happens is it chokes out the kingdom and it makes your life unfruitful. Jesus said in in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it And that's an interesting, you've got to think about that for a second. You know, you want to save your life. Of course you want to save your life. But if you lay it down, what he's saying is, hey, you can pursue your dreams for wealth and health and love and and all that. But in the end, it's not going to turn out good. But if you lay your life down, if you put God first above all other loves, then it's going to turn out good. Then you're going to be saved. That's where the ultimate happiness comes. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, but first the kingdom. Josh Jen puts it this way, die to live. Is that still the saying for Josh Jen? Die to live. This is what it means right here. You lay your life down. You put Jesus first. And you know what you find out in the end? You live. You live. You get the blessing in the end. Here's the third key to a fruitful life. Jesus first. Jesus first. Jesus first. Put him, his, his kingdom first. Die to yourself. Live for him. And you know what you have to do? It's, um, this is a discovery. It's not once. It's not here today, and then you go home. It's about a 1,000 times a day. It's a, it's a Jesus first now. It's a Jesus first in the big direction of your life and what things you pursue. But it's Jesus first right now. It's Jesus first when you leave here today. It's Jesus first when you go to bed. It's just that choice of, of putting him first. Okay, that's a third key to a fruitful life. Fourth soil. Mark 4, verse 20. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word. They accept it and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what is sown. But I want you to notice in here there's no description of the soil. He just says it's good soil. He doesn't give 18 keys to, to it being good soil. And I think the reason is because if, if, you, if you hunger for the things of God, if you prioritize your loves... Right? If, you, if you lay down, if you do these three things that he's just taught, then, then having a fruitful, growing life in God, it's just going to be automatic. It's, just, it's the life of Jesus flowing through you that's going to bear fruit. In fact, in the book of Mark, just two parables later, Jesus tells the parable of the all-by-itself principle the seed that grows in good soil, it just grows. It bears fruit all by itself. So that's the way it works. It's the life of Jesus in you that bears spiritual fruit. Okay, before I close, I want to zoom out, and I want to look at the parable through the eyes of the Jewish men and women who would have been listening there. And and the, the first thing is, picture the the parable picture the farmer reaching into his bag he's got a, a satchel around his waist and he grabs a, a handful of seed and he tosses it and he tosses it wide right he tosses it onto all different kinds of soil he's very generous with his with his tossing and I'll tell you why I love that picture and, and I know Jesus pictured it intentionally because he's so generous he tosses that seed to Jews and to Gentiles He tosses it in America, and he tosses it in Africa. He tosses it to rich people and poor people. He tosses it to good people and bad people and very bad people. He's tossing it indiscriminately, and he's saying, my message is open. My invitation is here. Anyone can come. Anyone can come. I love that. Even me even me. But here's the thing that was really new to the Jews. The Jews were expecting, had been waiting for, for thousands of years, a Savior, a Messiah. Messiah in Hebrew, Christ is the word in Greek. We call Him Savior. They were expecting a man that had been prophesied to be a great political, military and spiritual leader, a powerful man. And they thought that this Messiah would come and crush the enemies of the Jews. Think Putin in Ukraine, right? Just powerful military leader and restore Israel to greatness and restore Jews to greatness. That's what they were expecting. And Jesus tells them this parable and said, the kingdom of God, in fact, is coming like a little, little, little seed. Little seed. In fact, it's so little that you can miss it. You can miss it. Well, that, for the Jews, would blow their mind. You think anybody in Ukraine could miss Putin? No. But if you're not careful, you can miss God's kingdom. And, and what he's saying is, the truth is, if you want God's kingdom, you've got to pursue it. In fact, you have the privilege of choosing the condition of your soil. Which soil do you want? You pick. It's not like you came in here today and, no, my, my soil is the third one, and that's I was born with that, and I'm going to die like that. Uh-uh. You choose every minute of every day the soil of your heart. And, and I want to go back to that little section in there where Jesus talks about parables. He says, Some people will be ever hearing, but never perceiving, never understanding. Please don't let that be you today. Ever learning, or or, or ever hearing, but never learning, never growing, never understanding. But he says, You can turn and be forgiven. Turn, repent, change You're going this way You can switch directions And that opportunity Is before you today And so I want to close I want to close by giving you An opportunity to respond to the Lord I'm assuming the Holy Spirit's here And he's working And he's speaking I'm assuming he's It's his word, not mine. I'm assuming he wants you to respond somehow. And so I want to give two invitations. The first is this. If If you've never made that choice to make Jesus your king, the king of your kingdom, if you've never made that decision to follow him, to believe in him, to trust him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that in, in just a minute. But the second invitation is this there's three kinds of soil that we need to fight against. It's that unbelieving, independent, self righteous, hard heart. And The invitation that Jesus is giving today is come to me with a soft, hungry heart to learn and grow. Come to me to change your life. Humble yourself before him. Right? And the shallow soil, if you've believed in your heart that Jesus was born to serve you and your kingdom... If you, if you believe that he's, he's obligated to bless you and cause you to not suffer, don't, just repent. Repent, lay that down. Believe in Him, trust Him, put your roots down deep in Him, who He really is. And then that, that third soil, that third soil, come to Him. That third soil what is the third soil? Help me. The, the thorns. Yes. If you've, if you've got disordered loves and you've choked out fruit in your life, I mean, you know it. If you've got things in your life that are out of order in how you love them, if you've got idols in your life that keep you from serving God wholeheartedly, come lay them down today. Okay? Let's close our eyes. Let's respond to Jesus. First, if... If you want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, to make him your king, to put your trust in him, to follow him, I just want to encourage you to stand up. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm just, just saying you need to respond by doing something physically. If that's you, would you just in faith stand up and say, That's me. I want to follow Jesus today. I want to put my trust in him today. Second invitation. Do you want to respond to one of these soils and say, Jesus, I want to hunger for more of you. I want more of you in my life. If that's you, stand up right now. I want more of Jesus in my life. I want to pursue you more. I want to hunger for more of you, more of the things of God. I want to hear your voice more. I want to learn your scripture more. I want to trust in you more. Just ask right now, just between you and God, ask Him to increase your hunger. If you've got disordered loves in your life, confess it to Him. And, and that word that Jesus chose... It's turn. Turn. Repent. Tell him, Jesus, this is wrong, and I see it, and I know it, and I'm sorry. I've put this relationship before you. I've put this job before you. I've put this this thing before you, and I lay it down. Perhaps it's a sin, something that you know you ought not do, and yet you're doing it. Lay it down. Come, lay it down. Let the Holy Spirit come and speak to you. Minister to your heart. Because He's here and he, He wants to touch your heart today.